0: Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft, career and what matters to them. Peter Ross is the manager of entertainment venues in the regional city of Tamworth. He acknowledges that a strong art scene is recognised as one of the elements that attracts and keeps people in regional centres. He's responsible for programming and leading the live performance and conference venues in the city. Indeed, Ross has changed the direction of theatre in Tamworth and raised the bar on local theatre, bringing outstanding artists and increasing audience numbers. A self-confessed jack-of-all-trades, his theatrical life leading to this position saw him navigate a variety of roles on and off the stage. Each has informed and given terrific insight to frame his work today. Managing theatre venues is an enormous task, especially in this time of COVID 19. The safety of audience, performers, and staff is paramount in any attempt to get theatres going again. Peter Ross is determined to make those experiences a reality and describes the measures now in place at venues while also reflecting on a vibrant life working in the theatre. Lovely earrings you've got on there. They're, they're
1: my uh, earphones.
0: Have you got your earrings on? No. Have you got earplugs? No on? earrings.
1: No. I can I can do those. I've got a little mic here. Is it sounding all right? Sounds sounds terrific. Is is my sound right. okay? Yeah, you sound wonderful. Oh, thank you. I thank look, you not much. too bad as well. Have I got enough light? Yeah, yours is softer. Mine's a little bit dense yeah, chair, but I need soft light. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this amazing?
0: This is great. This technology.
1: It is. It it's is terrific. really because. You can just connect with people in a way that, I mean, the phone's fabulous, but just to see people and, you know, be able to smile and, you know, have a go at their earrings or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, and record shows like this, you know, growing up wanting
1: to be uh, have your own Tonight Show or even a radio yeah. show. And now you yeah. can do it from your kitchen. That's right. I mean, I used to watch Bert on Good Morning Australia. Well, even before that and think, you know, I'd love to do that one day. You used to probably watch Graham Kennedy in Melbourne tonight. Well, that's right. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Mike Walsh. All of them. All of them. Yes. All of them. Uh, well, thank you. Nice and punctual, I must say.
1: Well, I know that you like punctuality, so I was standing by for my eight o'clock curtain. Well, it's showtime, I guess, isn't it? It is showtime. That's perfect time, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, it's good to have you. Live from Tamworth.
1: Yes, on the day where after forty nine years the festival uh, is um, is paused for a year. Yeah,
0: is that a shock to the community? I did. You must have anticipated it, I guess.
1: Yes. So, uh, like, a report had to go to council, and it came out last week. So it was sort of in the press that um, that council were voting on it last night. And and really, it's there's no other answer because at the moment festivals are illegal. You can't gather more than 20 people. And, and I don't know if you've been to Tamworth, but I mean, it's, it's quite amazing. It's this, this beast that takes over the whole town and there's, there's buskers on the street, there's stages, pop-up stages, stage in the park, you little pubs and clubs have got live music on. So it's sort of just completely takes over the whole city. Um, so to contain that in a COVID way is just impossible. Yeah. So you, uh, you've produced
0: the Golden Guitar Awards for several years. Also, that will go ahead in a virtual capacity next year. I hear.
1: Yes, so it's sort of one of the the, the last things standing. Uh, so it will be very much a a, a live content from Tamworth, um, and it will it will have some sort of. Um, recorded content as well. So um, we're sort of thinking at the moment that we bring those nominated artists up during January and film them at some of the iconic uh, uh, places around the city. So the, the big golden guitar. We've got this great lookout. Um, the town was Town Hall. Um, uh, in, in our bicentennial park, there's what they call this big piece of public art, but it's like Picasso's guitar or version of what a guitar would look like in the landscape. So yeah, I suppose during this time, I've had this saying of, you know, we've got to make lemonade out of lemons. So yes, we'll be sort of making the most of it.
0: Were you a fan of country music before you arrived in Tamworth or did, did you indulge in it much at all?
1: Uh, No. I mean, I suppose the sort of the, the crossover artists that move into you know the mainstream like uh everyone knows a slim, dusty number, I suppose, um in a sort of quaint way um I suppose the casey chambers and and Keith Urbans and some of the American ones, but no country music was not really um something I was into, but it was interesting once I got here and you know had to had to be involved, and now I quite enjoy the um enjoy the genre and, and the people involved because really they're quite like show folk. Um, they're, a, they're a sort of loving tight-knit bunch. And in fact, some of the, like the, the songwriting is very similar to musical theatre writing because it's the stories or the songs are very lyric driven. Um, and even the chord progressions are very similar. In fact, you know, some of the great contemporary musicals or um, sort of have a bit of a country feel to them. You know, things like Violet and um, even uh, Floyd Collins, you know, sort of has that sort of country feel. Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose I've sort of learned to love country music.
0: What, what do they say about uh, you play a country music record backwards and your lover comes back, your, your, your dog isn't shot, uh, and uh, something uh, else? Uh,
1: that's <laughs> right. Uh,
0: yeah. Now, I, I, going over the country, I think I've always had. Uh, fond memories mum would always play country music when she was doing the ironing. So we'd have a bit of Charlie Pride or Jimmy Little. Or Jimmy yeah. Dusty. Yeah. I remember Charlie Pride had a great song. I'll wear your ring around my finger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is it too early to say anyone we know? um, no, no, um never. Yes. No, look, there, there's certainly some great, some great song titles. Um, I suppose like, You know, like music theatre, country songs capture, they can capture real people and capture, um, you know, real stories. And I think that's why a lot of people love country music, because um, they can identify in it as well. Yeah. Well, let's hope it returns to Tamworth very soon, because it's such an institution,
0: I suppose, not only for Tamworth, but for Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tamworth really is the the country music capital of Australia, but I, I suppose of the, the Southern Hemisphere as well. Um, yeah, so it's been quite a treat to 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 uh, sort of direct and produce the awards for the last I think it's five years now, and um, it's been great. We've got ABC has been on for the last three years as um, as a media partner, and that's been really good. And we've had it on on air uh, the day after um the awards which is usually on the the last saturday night of the festival is like the jewel in the crown of the 10-day festival um yeah so we'll we'll get to do that and it'll be i suppose quite exciting doing it but in a different way um which will be good
0: Well, it's nice to see you again, old boy. I mean, we, we digressed a little there. We went down the Tamworth track, which we'll return to yep. later on in the conversation. But um, we've shared a house, we've shared a stage, we've shared a rehearsal room, we've shared a workplace, and now we're sharing <laughs> a microphone. <laughs> so it's,
1: it's great to have you. It's when you lift it like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's lovely to have you on board uh, for stages, Peter Ross. Um, you've had a, a varied career in all sorts of creative endeavors you've been an actor a director a writer a lyricist, a dancer um, a producer <laughs> and and now a theater manager what
1: seduced you
0: to a life in the theater
1: um, look if i if I take it back to one moment I think it was in primary school uh, and I think I was either in year year one or year two and year six we're doing a production of the flying pieman which was this oh
0: that's that great um show that sometime never got to broadway
1: (laughs) (laughs) no there was no razors or blood to be seen in this one but um in fact i must look it up because um it was it was a great story about this this guy who delivered pies around the rocks in sydney and he used to sort of fly around and run around quickly and deliver them. That's sort of how I remember it. It's probably wrong. But, um, yeah, it was the first time I, I saw a piece of um, live theatre with song and dance and, and music and and acting and, you know, curtains being pulled and sets and a few lights. I mean, it was fairly rudimentary being a primary school uh, production. But I think I sort of fell in love with the just the whole idea of telling stories to a live audience and yeah. And then, then high school, um, I sort of became the stage manager. I, you know, it's a bit why I like, um, why I like cooking. And I suppose ultimately why I like directing and producing is because it's exciting starting with this series of ingredients and then putting them together and help helping shape them into something. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, back to the flying pimer, not that I've ever thought of that, but yeah, it, it's the, it's the one, moment that, uh, I think put me on this road. You've just picked my memory. Um, you are a very good, very good cook,
0: very good chef from, uh, my memories. Yeah. So you're still doing that?
1: Oh, look, when I, when I can, yeah, yeah. No, lots of kids to, uh, to, to feed as well. So you, you whip out the quick ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's something, something great about coming home especially when you've you know you've had a stressful day be probably like like teaching as well you know you can just sort of uh, escape into a bit of cooking and create something yeah
0: so was a career in the arts always on the cards or did you consider uh, other avenues to go down
1: Um, look I suppose it always was when I when I finished high school in um, 86 I actually got into a Bachelor of Visual Arts because um, at high school I did 3 year at art. So I quite liked um, uh, painting and, and did a bit of sculpture and stuff like that um, as well. Uh, um, and I sort of lasted a year at that. Then I got offered a, a, an assistant stage manager job at Hunter Valley Theatre Company in Newcastle. Ah, great um, time
0: when we had regional theatre companies.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. Look, that whole network back then of, um, a series of regionally-based theatre companies, um, Hunter Valley Theatre Company in in Newcastle, Theatre South in, in Wollongong, um, Riverina Theatre Company uh, down at, at, at Wagga. There's um, uh, one the in New Aubrey England too? Um, not, not Aubrey, I don't think. Aubrey, um, would I
0: thought there was something down there. No, no. But the New England, um,
1: yeah. Yeah, New England Theatre Company, which, of course... Uh, based in this, this part of the world, um, uh, and, and Lismore, um, uh, the, yeah, the Northern Rivers. Uh. And,
0: and, and those places were, were great training grounds for a lot of our top actors today, got their starts in those yeah. companies.
1: Yeah, look, look, Pete, really, my, my time as, a, as an ASM and then um, became stage manager uh, was there till I think it was 90, 91... Um, was great because, you know, we did five or six shows a year um, and Brent McGregor was the uh, artistic director there at the time. And he was great because he would give actors, local actors, a go. So people like, um, well, Jonathan Biggins and Celia Island and Miranda Otto and um, David Berthold and Stephen Abbott and... Um, look, I could go on there. It's been a great time where, you know, a lot of those actors cut, cut their teeth, working opposite, you know, actors from Sydney um, designers would come in. So yeah, you really got to work with some, you know, some great, great people
0: and so learn, learn so much. Being an ASM and just watching and and um, doing all those tasks, which are required backstage I mean, it's a great opportunity, isn't it, to... I recommend that to any any kids who wants to go into the theatre to just get a hands-on experience with as many roles as you can.
1: Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, I, I've i always, you know, I always laugh saying I'm a, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. But I really think um, that that's served me well, sort of, you know, now being, um, I suppose, a theatre manager and, you know, a producer and still do, a you know, a bit of performing. And it's just... It's good to have that 360 of of everything because it, it helps you sort of, you know, empathise with, with your staff, but also, um, yeah, you can sort of help people along the way in, in many areas. Yeah. So what about the, the performing,
0: uh, core of you? When did that come along? Because after Hunter Valley, I think you went to Freewheels Theatre Company.
1: Yeah. So, so at, at school, I mean, I sang in the choir and stuff, but, um, I think I sort of just like to be more hands-on. So that's why I went sort of down the, the ASM stage management side of things. And then at Hunter Valley Theatre Company, I actually was in, um, we did Nolan Gertie, uh, which we toured, toured around the the regional theatre network, um, which I, I stage managed, but then I sort of had a bit of a, I played the piano for a couple of songs and did a few little bits and pieces just to sort of help the show. Um, which again was, you know, again, just great. Uh, and then in Newcastle, they have a thing called Young People's Cedar. And again, that was a great start, starting ground for people like the Biggins as Jonathan and Penny Biggins and, um, and Celia Ireland went there and um, Catherine Hill, the, the director and um, yeah, a great sort of ground for young people to to, do, to cut their craft before going off into other bits and pieces. And yeah, I just did lighting there. So I was quite heavily involved in lighting there. And then I think they were doing production of Snoopy and I just jumped into a role and then was in Oliver and then played Rolf in the Sound of Music there. And uh, so that side of things sort of just, just took off. But I think again, um, you know, observing and being in a rehearsal room, I, um, I feel, you know, quite comfortable, on the stage and behind the stage which which is which is good
0: you're putting yourself in the room where it happened yeah. and uh, <laughs> and embracing those those happy accidents
1: yeah that that's exactly right and then and aren't they the the great times in theater when um when those accidents happen especially you know that that's why i love live theater you, you know nothing beats it and in this this crazy COVID time you know lots of people are saying you know are you going to do stuff online and stream stuff and all of that. And, and and look, it's great and it's filling a void. But at the end of the day, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not in film and television. I'm in live theatre. Um, yeah. And, you know, nothing will replace that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
0: Were your folks happy about you pursuing a career in the arts?
1: Yeah, look, uh, 100%. You know, there was never one conversation where they said, you know get a real job or you know don't do that and you know and I used to you know even in my teens work you know be out out late working on shows building sets doing lights rehearsing and um I suppose they saw that I I'd found my place I suppose and I think they they really um supported that yeah never never a conversation where they said you know get a real job. And look, I suppose I was lucky that, um, I've been lucky really most of my, my career where you sort of go from one thing to the next. And, um, it was great getting that, that, that gig at, at Hunter Valley theater company. And that just kept going. And then Will's, as you mentioned, um, I left, I left Hunter Valley theater company and actually had a year off and went, um, overseas did the, the year, the backpacking year, um, in London and then did Europe and all of that and, and actually got to be in a production of animal Farm in, um, in Woking, this little company in Woking, um, um and Don Bridges, do you know the actor? Don Absolutely. Bridges? Is. Melbourne yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, love, lovely actor. He was actually in that production as well. Um, yeah. So then I came back after that year and, um, got a job in the sort of core company of free wills. And again, um, it was a time where there was, Theatre and education companies um, that you know produced shows and and tour them right around the country, and I suppose that's where I really cut cut my teeth and and learnt how to um, I suppose play play an audience for want of a better word, you know nothing you can't fool kids when you perform in front of them, um, and there's no lights and you're quite you know. They're, literally a meter in front of you, um, different spaces, you know, dealing with bells going off, bumping in sets out of the truck, you know, you, again, it's, it's that, um, that holistic, you know, on the road, putting on a show, bit of, you know, Judy Gullen and Mickey, Mickey Rooney, um, type thing there. And, and it was great. We did, um, uh, a piece called witch hunt, which was, um, all about the, the crucible really. And, and sort of, took the themes in that and we did bits out of the, the crucible and, and it had sort of this connection with, you know, AIDS, AIDS was, um, sort of happening then too, and just about being witch hunted, witch hunted. And, um, and then the, I suppose the, the, I suppose the the great time during free wills was, uh, working on a property of the clan with, um, which Nick Enright wrote about, um, uh, a, a real life event, um, a murder of a, a young school girl on the beach in Stockton yeah which is um and Blackrock it became the film Blackrock um and yes yeah, so look at that, that the
0: playback Blackrock as well yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah which, so was that um, the, pre-
0: the premiere of property of the clan at, at Free Wheels? then that was the first production yeah it was
1: yeah. it was yeah so we were the the originating cast which was which was really great and and Nick, you know obviously spent a lot of time with us in the writing and um yeah, I suppose that's where I started to fall in love with the written form and the, the, the whole storytelling side of things. I mean, Nick was um, a great mentor to, to many people, but um, yeah, just really learning that uh, economy of storytelling, which of course, you know, he took brilliantly not only into his plays, but, you know, into his books for, for musicals as well. Yeah.
0: Well, you were starting to develop uh, quite a, a good career and it was on a trajectory, it would seem. Why would you then halt all that and go to the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts and spend three years?
1: Um, look, I suppose by then I, I had really fallen in love with musical theatre, which sounds, you know, tweet, but I suppose the form of musical theatre and I, I suppose I really wanted, I really wanted to dissect that more, you know? Um, yeah. So I suppose I was a bit crazy going off to uni after, um, you know, making money. Um, but again, you know, as we know, um, the Australian industry is small and, you know, WAPA certainly w- was the place then that, um, was delivering, you know, great graduates that have fantastic teaching staff and, um, really churning out, you know, I think you know great actors who can sing, um, and who are great storytellers. And I I think I really, really loved seeing WAPA graduates in shows before I went there. And I thought, you know, this is the place. This is the place I want to be. Yeah.
0: Yes, it was certainly a a, a great course at at the time, uh, a gold star course as far as the industry was concerned. Yeah. Uh, Under those great that staff that you acknowledge, John Milson, Dennis Follington, Derek Bond, Jenny Lind. so going into that course, were you looking to develop yourself as a performer? Because when you got there, you certainly indulged in your writing skills. You composed a musical with with a mate. Um, it was much more for you about rather than just performance.
1: Yeah, well, I yeah, I love I, I love I the whole thing. I love the three hundred and sixty degrees of it. Um, you know, I, I'd done a bit of directing by then. I go. Oh, 22, 23 when I, when I went to um, um Yeah. And just, I suppose it was a bit like being in this place where you, you've not only got your classmates, but you've got three years of, of um, people who are there day and night, breathing, loving uh, the same thing. So it was really, Really great, and really good of um people like john milson and 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 Dennis and the staff there to encourage that um you know they weren't just putting people in you know the the square peg into the, the the square hole et cetera you know they they were allowing you to become you know who you who you were destined to be i suppose um and knowing that you need to be multifaceted i think to to foot you know to keep a career i think these days well, and back then yeah
0: place like WAPA, we had the opportunity to perform some great repertoire, I mean, that you probably wouldn't have a chance to do in, in the profession. And just going through your list there, you know, the opportunity in those three years to play in the Cherry Orchard, Grand Hotel, Miracle City, Follies, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, look look amazing. And, and all fantastic works and to work with some great people. Um, and I think for myself being, you know, one of the the older ones in my year and probably um, you yourself. I mean, we, we have a way to gravitas and we got to play some some great roles that, um, you know, we could possibly revisit again. You know, it was great playing the older role when you were younger because...
0: <laughs> playing the patriarchs when you're in your 20s and you've still got until you're 60 to sort of do them properly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's right. Yes, like you know, um, Ben in Follies is is still, <laughs> still got a good window for that. Um, yeah, look, it was, a, it was a great time, you know, doing uh, Edwin Drood uh, in um, the that what was that little theatre? The, what was that little theatre over there on the um, the campus? That little uh, oh,
0: the what uh, <laughs> was called the RSC?
1: Yes, the RSC. That's
0: because, right. because no. it was a uh, building that used to belong to the Road Safety Council. So that's why it was called the RSC. But I don't think that message ever got across to anyone because I went back to Whopper a few years later and there was a roundabout with signposts directing towards the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe oh, it. You're pulling my leg. I'm not pulling your leg. It was there. Oh, really? I wow. promise you. It was on the that roundabout. Fantastic. That's it's fantastic.
1: A... Mm. Um, uh, and then at Wappa, got the chance to of course work again with Nick um, on Miracle City which um, uh, was was again great to work with him um, not only be in it but he was reworking the piece and just another great experience of being in a rehearsal room with the writer and getting changes every day and you know all, all that kind of stuff that really helps you um, again hone your directors skills but your performing skills and just the craft of the way in which a are musical transitions, and I, you know that's what I really love about directing musicals. I, I love, of course, there's the the meat and potatoes of the of the acting scenes, but I think the way in which they transition and move forward, and the arc, the arc of the story, that's really exciting to keep keep audiences, you know, moving moving forward. Um, and again, you know, it was great to learn that sort of stuff from people like like Nick and, and Max Lambert, who um, also indeed that as well, as well as write it.
0: yes, it was the great joy of of a course like that you do get to work with some terrific industry professionals.
1: yeah yeah, yeah and and having a variety of theater spaces to work in as well, you know not just your pros theaters but your your studios, your black boxes, you know even even amphitheaters over there, yeah.
0: Which was great, which was always about uh recalibrating the size of your performance and adapting to to those spaces and the audiences that you would have
1: that's right, yeah, because you know in a, in a in a pros of course you you know you've got to get it to the back row, but some of those great musicals that that i had the opportunity to be in, but also to watch in the studio when you know that you're on top of the audience um was was amazing. I remember a production of baby um fantastic Maltby and Shire musical um, in that studio. And it was, it was a knockout.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. So you graduated from from the course, Music Theatre. Did, did you uh, spend much time performing in the industry? Because it wasn't long before you were taking up uh, directing jobs and resident director jobs. But, but you did have a performance career for a while, didn't you?
1: Yeah, look, I, look, I, did, a, I did a few bits and pieces. Um, I did Buskers and Angels, which was John Inglis's English's um, musical that he that he wrote and that was lots of fun. I think it sort of was the producer had sort of, I think, put it out to market at the wrong time. Um, but um, it was, again, another great experience, uh, fabulous, fun cast. You know, Jodie Gillies was in that and she was quite naughty on stage, which was fun. Um, and she was just a great, you know, great mate, um, and such a great voice to sort of, to hear and in a rehearsal room and, and on stage. And um, yeah, that, that was good. Um, I suppose there was a bit of a crossroads because I, I got cast in Sunset Boulevard, which um, Wayne Harrison was to direct the Sydney Theatre Company um, at the Opera House. Um, and we were, we were all cast. Peter Carroll was going to be in that too. And, um, and Judy and Kennelly. And um, we were all cast quite early. Uh, and then a whole series of shows. I think it was Oliver and Jolson, and sort of auditions happened, and I didn't go for them because you know I had had this work lined up, uh, and Sunset got cancelled. <laughs> um, and
0: that was the you know, crossover, wasn't it? Um, with the arrival of Robin Nevin uh, as yes, uh, artistic director. That's
1: yeah, so it was meant to be meant to be Wayne's last uh, show as artistic director of Sydney Theatre Company, and Robin was coming in, so Robin uh, cancelled that that production, so that um, that never happened. And I think because I sort of you know it was that sliding doors, you know, the boat had sailed on on the other shows that were on at that time, and and back then shows were running longer than they they do now, so um, some of them were were few and far between. So I just I just Used my other skills and and did um, a bit of teaching, singing teaching at um, at, at Brent Street, um, and and ended up doing quite a lot of um, community musicals. Up sort of back back to Newcastle um, to direct a couple of shows, and then up up to Queensland, Rockhampton and Mackay, um, where they'd bring in a a director and a choreographer or an MD uh, to sort of direct a uh, a large scale community musical um, in the sort of the, the theatres in, in these in these cities or you know, towns. Um, yes, I did that in Rockhampton. Did um, Jekyll and Hyde and and Barnum up there, uh, and West Side Story and um, and Greece in in Newcastle. So you just you just find the work where it, where it um, where it can. I got to usher on the Boy from Oz when I first came back from Whopper, um, which was again like being in a rehearsal room in a funny way because you get to watch this show over and over um we both worked on that
0: yeah, for for a young performer, yeah. I think it's an extraordinary position to be in as an usher to have that opportunity to watch a show again and again and again, and just look at the the mechanism, how it works, what those yeah. performers are doing, how they keep it fresh every night. It's um, yeah.
1: how they deal with the different audiences, the laughter,s the, the moments, the beats, the you know, the just the, the twinkle in their eye, the, yeah, all of that, and you know, also that show um, had it was a new new Australian musical. It it had scenes. I remember seeing the first dress run with a recording booth scene and then that was gone. And, you know, just seeing the way in which the show found its, its shape. um, It was great to watch that. Yeah. You've
0: worked on a few um, Australian musicals and, you know, we worked together again on one with Mary Bryant at the Ensemble in yeah. which you were assistant director and produced our cast recording. It's the only cast recording I'm on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look, that, that was fun, yes. And, again, working with the, the wonderful Nick Enright um, and David King wrote, wrote the, the, the music for that one. Um, yeah, look, that was great. And, again, doing a sort of an epic piece which covered such a such a huge journey and, and, and many years in a small venue again, and I think there's something quite magic about that, you know, um, doing that in, in the you know the ensemble theatre, which is a, an old boat shed. Um, that was quite quite magic. It was great. You think? I mean, oh, was you that, yeah,
0: absolutely. No, no, it was it was terrific to be part of a of a new Australian musical, especially at the. Um creative levels of, of Nick Enright and, and, and David. Yeah. yeah. And a great Definitely.
1: cast. Yeah, Speaking of cast yeah.
0: though, ju- just harking back to earlier on, Animal Farm, Don Bridges. Don Bridges was in the production in Very Bright in Melbourne. Ah, was he? I'm it? pretty sure. What?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think, you, I actually, I think you are right. Magnam- yeah. Magnanimous
0: I think is the company. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. What, what's, um, the,
0: what's the future I mean, you've written a couple of Australian musicals as well. Does Australia have a musical in them or is it such an American art form? I mean, the, the, the Australian musicals that we've taken to, to Broadway have been jukebox musicals. They've been fantastic musicals in like Priscilla mm. and The Boy From Oz.
1: What, yeah, what and even on the Rouge is that. The Milan Rouge, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look... I mean, look, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, I think the sort of, I mean, l- like our accent, it's unique, uh, and I think we do have a. There is a particular musical style or idiom that Australian composers. That's a blanket statement, but I think there is a. Sometimes there is a sort of an Australian sound, um, but look, that that changes. Um, I suppose you you look at Eddie Perfect. Um, you know, writing the score for, for, um, for Beetlejuice. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's a pretty good, good one to deliver. Um, And I don't think particularly sounds Australian, if that makes sense. And I suppose our, our, our stories lend that. I mean, if you, if you listen to something like, like Mary Bryant, or um, even History of Australia, the musical, I mean, is it, a lot of it's dealing with that that convict time so of course it's going to sound in a particular way um yeah look i think i think th- there is a future for australian musicals um they're just as we know they 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 are hard things to get right they need a lot of time and money and energy um and i think in the past in australia we we haven't allowed enough time for them to develop it's always the end game of getting them on in front of an audience because that's where you can start to recoup your money but um you know even when you look at something like miracle city um and the boy from oz i mean both those shows the book the books nick was always changing and trying to make the piece the the best it could be through every production Um, yeah i think just the, just the time and investment in uh, getting them right before they hit an audience, I think that's probably something that we haven't d- done quite well in the past. Yeah, yeah in
0: the, you think of the States and the gestation period is sometimes up to 10 years. And, of course, yeah. they have a, 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 a more vast geography in which they can have those out-of-town tryouts um, yeah. and get it right on the road before they take it into the, the big cities, whereas uh, we don't have that here, that opportunity.
1: No, no, no. Um, yeah, I'd I'd like to see that that happen more. Um, and I suppose, you know, places like the the Hayes Theatre now, who are obviously um, offering, you know, a good a good um, platform for Australian musicals to to start their start their birth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I suppose I'm a little bit removed from the great Australian musicals of, of today, but um, I'm sure there's still the, the big one out there.
0: Yeah. Um, a venture that you were heavily involved in, which uh, was celebrating the the musical, was the Kookaburra Musical Theatre Company, which existed between 2006 and 2008. And I'm sure it would have been... In their mission, that to eventually to produce Australian musicals, but there were a whole bunch of English and American musicals that were up first, given an Australian Australian treatment. What happened to Kookaburra?
1: Yeah, look, I think I think ultimately it was a it was a a timing issue. Um, I mean, there was quite a lot of um, I suppose economic pressure at the time um theaters were hard to get um yeah look i think it was a a time where the the media parts of the industry um i think were a little bit tall poppy perhaps um maybe not knowing exactly what or not agreeing with with the 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 take that that peter cousins took who 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 very much was the brainchild of the, of the, of the company and, and headed it and drove it. Um, I mean, his vision for it was very much for it, for it to land as a company that produced musicals fully formed. So not, not, um, you know, very, very different to the, to the Hayes theater approach where, um, you know, it's in a smaller venue and pared back and um, he, he wanted to deliver a company that, that delivered, musicals in a in, in a large high-end way which is
0: a different model again to the production company in melbourne
1: who yeah. produce concert
0: musicals which actually yeah. are probably more like a, a produced musical but that was their mission down there yeah but kookaburra yeah. was yeah. certainly a great idea
1: oh it was it was a look a, a, a brilliant idea and um I, it's some of my you know Great, greatest memories of, of of my career to date. Um, again, a great time that that really gave so many opportunities to artists, um, young young artists. I mean, it wasn't just the the shows that we produced, but we had things like Kookaburra uh, the Cookaburra Nest, which was all about Australian writing. So we we we, we used our rehearsal space and, and employed, engaged actors to sort of workshop. Several productions we had um, the up close and personal, um, or up close and musical um, cabaret sort of nights after shows that we'd put on 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 the on the stages, and again giving giving young performers that opportunity to strut their stuff. Um, yeah, there was a, a lot a lot of development. You know, people like um, uh, or Darren Yap directed um, I Love You a Perfect Now Change, which uh, Katrina Ritalik was in and. Um Yeah, it was just a, and a, a, a great training ground for some of those graduates, but you know especially coming out of Whopper or VCA, you know having something to to actually stepping stone through to their their first big show. And I, and I think we really delivered in that area um, for you know people like Marika Aubrey as well. Um, yeah. Um some
0: terrific repertoire that the company produced little women uh tell me on a sunday which which you directed pippin uh company uh and 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 you got sondheim out for that uh opening didn't you
1: yeah that that that's right yeah so he 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 came out uh for for company we when we worked with with foxtel and the a b c to do a um sort of a, a an evening with Sondheim, which jonathan Biggins um hosted for us uh, and it was really great and Geraldine Turner sang and um, the, the cast of company did a number and we actually filmed that and was on 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 Foxtel and the ABC and yeah, look, I mean, that was great. I think it was the first time Sonheimer had been out in oh, many years, 20, 20 odd years, I think. Um, I think um, it,
0: since he did that musical theatre forum at the Opera House.
1: Yes. With Al- Al-
0: yeah. Alan, J, Alan J. Lerner, Harold Lerner, Williams. yes. Stephen, sometime Could you well, imagine getting a panel like that nowadays?
1: Yeah, I know I've got somewhere. I've got some of the recordings of it. I don't know whether you gave them to me or or um, someone someone passed them on to me. But yeah, the recordings of those those sort of sessions where they're all dissecting musicals and and the like. Um, yeah, so look, it, it was a great time. Yeah, there was a couple of launch concerts for Kookaburra um, as well. One in one in uh, Sydney, and one in. One in Melbourne, um, and Little, the production of Little Women was exquisite, beautiful set design, directed by um, Stuart Maunder, um, great cast, stunning cast, yeah. And again, in a um, putting a musical in a slightly unconventional space um, in in the the York Theatre at, at Seymour, and I think it, it worked quite quite nicely for that show. And Judy Kennelly playing the the aunt, I thought she was fabulous yeah and way. Hayden T Hayden was, yeah, was, yeah, was was a knockout, and he was in I love you perfect now change as well for the company. and you know of course he's he's had a great career in the west End and and, um, and Broadway and Broadway, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: did yeah. any of the shows tour?
1: Yes, yeah, so tell me on a Sunday, um, played Sydney, we did Wollongong, we did Canberra, and we did we did Melbourne as well. so that was um that was great. And again, uh, you know, getting, getting the, the, the company out. I mean, it's just, it's so hard at that, at that scale. I mean, getting back to the timing, we did Pippin the the first show um, in the Sydney theater, which is now the, the Ross Packer theater. Um, and that had just opened. So things like buses and transport down to there weren't quite happening. And it was just, just harder to get an audience there. In those early days, um, and that was directed uh, by Ross Coleman, um, and again another another great one to work with um, in the rehearsal room, but also you know in the in, in the theatre. And you know he had a he had a much a uh, well, it's quite an Australian take on it, um, and, and quite a darker da- darker take on it. Um, but still, wonderful moments of 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 joy in that. Uh, Bert Labonte played. Um, um
0: leading player
1: leading player yes um and uh, yeah he was he was a knockout we were very keen for carolyn o'connor to play that role um yeah but um well you would
0: have been ahead of your time because uh the recent yeah. revival of
1: pippin on broadway
0: had a female leading
1: player yeah yeah well caroline she would have been um she would have been a knockout i um got to work with her in end of the rainbow which um, Wayne Harrison had done and when it transferred, he was overseas. So I got to sort of redirect that. And Michael, um, uh, Michael Cormack came, came into it. And um, yeah, she, she would have been a knockout in the lead, as the leading player. Um, yeah. So um, that never happened, but yeah, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful production, great, beautiful scenic design uh, backdrops that were done by Scenic um, studios in, in Sydney. Um, of Australian bush and yeah, quite quite a quite a lovely lovely design to that one.
0: And today we find you as manager of the entertainment venues in Tamworth. How did Tamworth come onto your horizon? Because you're a Newcastle boy. I mean, it's in the other yes, direction. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, look, I it was it was just just before was this sort of the Christmas of uh, two thousand and. And eight, uh, and look, Kookaburra, I suppose was uh, probably heading towards its its end of its 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 time due to a whole lot of, lot of reasons. Um, and a friend of mine actually went for the position in Tamworth as the 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 the, the, the theatre director for the for the Capital Theatre, which was a new theatre in Tamworth. Tamworth had never had a a main stage theatre that that toured stuff. Uh, they have the town hall and that's what they've really had. Um, and she got offered the role, um, but decided not to take it. So because I was a referee for her, I'd spent over an hour on the phone to the people, you know, sort of talking her up, um, but also talking about how important it is in regional areas to, to have champions and creative leaders who are part of this you know the bigger picture of our industry um, you know creating great theater so that young people can fall in love with it either for a pathway uh, to a career or just a love of live theater as our audiences so you know i've always i've always thought that you know i'm I'm playing my part now in, in our bigger picture of our industry here in Australia by um you know, providing and curating and um, and delivering creative opportunities and shows for this this part of the the neck of the woods, just like people are all across Australia, doing that and um, hopefully doing our bit in the bigger picture.
0: Well, from all reports, you've certainly changed the direction of theatre in Tamworth and and raised the bar on on the local theatre scene. How how do you go about doing that? I mean. I guess you you pull in all your contacts that you've developed over several years in in the big smoke but is it about bringing artists to town is it how do you increase audience numbers for example
1: look it's a whole it's a whole combination of things um i think it's, it, in the beginning because there were, literally was nothing there was no staff there was no branding there was no logo there was no ticketing system um sort of really had to build it from the, from the, from the ground up. And again, it was a bit like harking back to cooking. Um, here's a series of ingredients and let's see what we can come up with. And look, it was hard work in those, those first few years, but yeah, it's a combination of, you know, bringing, bringing in those mates who you who you know will probably come up and, and give it, give it a go. Um, finding those, those companies. But, but I suppose putting yourself out there and really, making sure that um the community trusts who you are and and what you can do i mean it's a bit like what what peter was trying to do with with kookaburra um he was really following the the john the john bell model i call it where you you put your your face in front of the company so that people can trust and know it's a real it's a real thing you know uh, so many audiences Loved and fell in love with Peter Cousins when he performed in, you know, Aspects and Miss Saigon and Phantom and all those shows. So there was a, there was trust there, um, and a, and a, a trust in the, in the product. So I suppose I, I followed a similar a similar line of getting out amongst the community. Um, you know, I made sure I, I got involved with the two local performing arts companies. There's a dramatic society in, in Tamworth and and the musical society, which interestingly enough is the oldest continually continuously running uh musical theatre society in australia 1888 and and has a fantastic history of you know doing some of the gns shows before they were ever done in sydney and uh, and other other big musicals before um they were even done professionally sort of connections with london and getting scripts and scores out and um yeah so, so i suppose just getting people to trust who you are and what you can what you can deliver and a lot of hard work. Uh,
0: In my research for this conversation, I found a a beautiful quote that you said, um, theatre evokes images of people gathering in a special place and depending on which way they're facing, either hoping to experience something out of the ordinary or wanting to contribute to the social fabric of the community. Most of all, it evokes images of believers, in this case, believers in the power of the arts. Did That's I beautiful. say that? You said.
1: That. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Um, um, yeah,
0: theatre is very much a communion, isn't it?
1: It is, and I've always said that the theatre is like a church because it's a place where like-minded people gather to to do what they what they love and believe in. Be that on the stage or as an audience, and you you can't you just can't beat that. Um, you know, it, you know, we have the power of of changing our communities by what by what we put in you know put on our stages and the stories we tell and the way in which we we help shape young people who come to see this the shows on those stages um, you know I put a lot of time and effort into our sort of education and family series um where you know the, not only the schools come to, to shows but the the general public performances of those those family shows are really important, and we ca- encourage generations to come so Grandma comes with with the grandchildren, but also you know their daughter or son. Um, so there's that that shared experience um, and even if even if it's a dark piece, you know you go away questioning things or you know there's hope in everything, even in um, things that make us um, make us question things there's there's always hope, yeah. So you're programming uh, product for seasons
0: uh, to go on the stages at those uh, entertainment venues, S- the year spent searching for product and planting seeds of ideas and researching what's possible and lots of negotiation with producers and, and artists. Um, planning a season can begin years before uh, the actual uh, playtime, can't it? Or yeah, does it? look,
1: look, it, well, it does. Yeah, it does. Like sometimes two years ahead, um, like even now, um, sort of you know looking at stuff for twenty twenty two and a few things for twenty twenty three. Because a lot of these these tours, uh, especially with companies like Sydney Dance Company or, or um, Opera Australia or or Bill Shakespeare, um, Circus Oz, um, they're like big warships. I mean, they really need time to sort of turn and and move across the country. So there's applications for funding to cover all the logistics and the accommodation and the transport and those applications go in sort of 12 18 months before the shows even cast and re- rehearsed or brought back um into the rehearsal room to to go back out again so yeah look a lot a lot of a lot of lead time in all of that um you know and the few times that we've we've tried to sort of produce a few things ourselves, be it a Christmas concert or, or other bits and pieces. Sometimes, you know, you've got to lock artists in, but they might get a bigger, longer run in a show. So you've got to recast things. And um, yeah, that pre-planning is, is much greater than, than, than people think. It's not just like you pick up the phone and say to the Sydney Theatre Company or, or, or Bell Shakespeare, come next, next month and put on a show. Yeah. So are you good at spinning plates? Do you know spinning plates is maybe I've been saying that for years. That's what I talk about. Um, Barry Harley, who, who heads up the events team um, and, and drives the, the bulk of the festival at council. I'm always talking to him about spinning plates here. Yeah. You know, I might say, oh, I've smashed a plate today. Um, yeah, <laughs> lots of pots on the boil, plates spinning. Um, yeah, I like the, the, the plate spinning analogy yeah
0: the, the the kitchen and the cooking metaphor
1: that's right yes
0: so so it sounds like a great gig getting to go and see lots and lots of live performance do you get tired of attending the theater because you've um, got to balance your family life as well don't you
1: yeah i think that, that that's certainly been harder as um you know as the kids sort of got got older um, but you know they they know the theater and you know, and and I really starting to understand what it, what it is, but it is hard. You know, I mean, it's like anything. It's 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 not a glamorous life. You know, being in a motel room or being away and seeing stuff, um, and seeing theatre, as we all know, is. I suppose it's a bit like a, a lottery ticket, a scratchy. Um, you know, you scratch and you you might win a couple of dollars, but the um, when you see when you find that 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 big one, or you or you see that show that really is a life changing event, that's pretty special. And sometimes you get it, you get. Oh, I've got to go to the theatre again, and then you go and you see that show that you know rejuvenates and and reminds you of why you've why you've. Fall in love with it because they're hard. They're hard things to get right, especially musicals, because there's so many so many components that need to work together to, to to deliver this this magic. And it doesn't always happen, as as we know. But when it does, it's 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 amazing. So, so as venue manager, you're responsible for that
0: artistic content. But I guess there's all those other sides to uh, management as well, the car park front of house all of those considerations which must take up just as much time in your in your day
1: yeah look they do and certainly in the in the early days before our our team sort of grew to where it is um it was i mean sort of you know huge huge weeks and lots of different plates spinning with various things written on them um you know box office i mean i used to sell the tickets and you know jump in wherever and and do bits and pieces um, but even still today, I mean it's like anything the, the you know the more staff you have in a team and you've got a, you've got staff dynamics, team dynamics, a bit like a rehearsal room in a way. Um, yeah, some of that is is exhausting, but at all it all adds to the end end product yeah putting, you, get, you know get into that night of the theater and do you get to tread the boards much nowadays? Um, Yeah, look a little a little bit. I mean, it's it's harder, and again, I try and try and make sure I direct something or be in something. Again, just to, I mean, it's it's like marketing for the venue in in a in a way, or for what we do, um, so that you know the audiences feel comfortable in stepping out and and trusting me when I get up and say, you know, come and see this show because you'll love it. yeah, look, I, I've really, I really enjoyed the performing side of things since I moved to Tamworth because it was a, just a great opportunity to to explore again. A bit like being at WAPA. you know. You're not sort of beholden to it being the sort of the the major key part of your your career, or there's, a, there's not as much riding on it as say, you know, doing something in Sydney. And that's all you do as an as an actor, um, yeah. So it's 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 been quite great, and to to to, to get to visit roles um, like Higgins in 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 Fair Lady and um, and Mr. Banks in Mary Poppins and um, and uh, Daddy Warbucks, um, yeah. But it's, it's been great and quite a nice a nice journey. Every time I say I'm not doing it again, but then I do step out again. Yes. The roar of
0: the Bruggies paint the smell of the crowd.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right.
0: Um, you were able to celebrate uh, a live performance very recently in the theatres, I think, uh, you, as audiences returned for um, a show that you had there. Uh, what considerations did you have to put in place uh, in the current pandemic climate?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's, it's been... Quite, it's quite stressful, really, because there's just so much you've, you've got to, um, you know, double check and check again uh, as far as COVID goes, um, let alone everything you need to do just to make sure that the the show is going to get in and the company is happy and all of that. Um, and we really went from, we had a great bumper start to the year. We had um, Kate Gall's HMS Pinafore in and did great houses and uh, Philip Quost, who's a, originally a Tamworth boy, he came back and did his, his show with Anne-Marie Macdonald, and that was a great house. And um, we had the Robinson Brothers in sold-out show the day before um, we closed. So we had this great bumper start to the year uh, and the whole team was really, really pumping um, and good sales for things coming up and then suddenly drop, everything finished um, and shut down. And... It was, you know, it was like uh, it still went on for for the team because we had to cancel things, and we had to move things, and refund and try and, you know, rebook shows, and that that was quite stressful. And we sort of got through that and reopened our box office on the first of July, and then started doing um, our COVID-safe plans. Um, so, you know, we had to basically the Capitol Theatre, which is our, our 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 main stage, CrossArch Theatre. Um, it seats 402, but under the four square metre rule, we can only fit sort of 90 to 100 and something, which just doesn't work um, economically um, for stuff that we produce, but even for touring shows. So we're very lucky that we we have a suite of venues that we look at, look after in, in Tamworth. So we've got our town hall, which is a beautiful 1,000 seat um, classic town hall with a, a mezzanine. Sort of dress circle and a flat floor with a raised stage, and we also have an entertainment center which can seat up to five thousand, but is um, very configurable. Um, it can, you know, we can strip it out and it can be a car show, we can do a, you know, conference for five six hundred, um, and then we can create varying size um, concert spaces or, or, or theater spaces, anything up from a sort of a tiered three hundred. Um, up to up to five thousand. You know, we've got sort of twelve hundred modes, three and a half thousand modes. Uh, so we sort of came up with this this idea of taking the seating plan of the capital, so the the four hundred and two seats, and putting it in our intimate mode in Trek, our entertainment center, so that we don't lose capacity, but we can then socially distance the seating. Um, so we sort of had nine hundred seats on the on the floor. Um, with a raised sort of stage. Um, And that, that has worked quite well. We've done quite a few shows, but we had to, we had to move the box office um, out onto the forecourt. So we actually got like a coats higher shed in um, so that the box office was out on the forecourt there. um, And all the scanning of tickets happened on the forecourt um, so that when they entered the building, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a blockage of, of people in the foyer and they could go to the snack bar or go to the bar. And, um, we had to have floor stickers and, and bollards sort of directing people and flowing, flowing traffic, um, extra signage, um, sort of the bar was sort of set up like these, like a pit lane, um, where, you know, you could go into the theater or, or go to the bar, um, you know, standing here stickers. So quite, quite full on stuff. And then the cleaning we, um, we took um, took the lead from the the theaters in Korea, where the Phantom kept playing right throughout um, the pandemic, um, and we we got the foggers, the sort of disinfectant foggers, a couple of those to um, sort of fog fog the rooms. So quite a lot of thinking and additional outlay of um, expenses, um, hand sanitizer stands, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, and then of course the COVID plan, which is. You know, got to be in place, and we had the the police. We actually invited them to come in and sort of check check us over and make sure they're they're happy with everything, so that um, they were on the front foot. So it was quite a quite a stressful time of just making sure we had everything ticked, so that when we, you know, we didn't blow our chance of bringing life here back and and causing a causing a problem. And our audiences loved that we had um, CDP kids. Uh, they're a company that do a lot of um, work for, for children and families um, around the country, um, originally established by Christine Dunstan. Um, um, had a production of Magic Beach, which is a beautiful book. And I actually got to see the the workshop production of this work, I think 12 or 18 months before it appeared. Um, and I fell in love with it and I thought, you know, the way it was coming together and the, the same director did the workshop that did the production. Um, visually beautiful and, and the writing just beautiful Um, and audiences loved it. So we had our first audience on the 15th of March was our, our last audience. And we had our first audience again on the 31st of August. So, um, and they loved it. They loved it. And lots of young kids going, thank you so much. This is great to be back in the theatre. And we had two school performances the, the following day. And again, our timing, was great. It was. It was with us. The uh, education department had sort of just said that local zoned excursions could happen, so schools were able to step out uh, and see see those performances. And again, they they loved it, which was good. And we've had a dance school in doing their sort of mid year dance concert. And then this weekend we've got um, um, Lay Divas, a bit of a drag show coming coming in on Friday night, uh, and then on Saturday night, Gone Too Soon, yeah, a music show, yeah.
0: Oh, a- anyone we know?
1: <laughs> um, yes, all the, you know, the Freddie Mercury's, the Michael Jackson. Oh, okay, so it's a, uh, like a tribute show. Yeah, it's a tribute show. Monique Montez and Nigel Turner, Turner Carroll. Oh, terrific. show together. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Neil Gooding uh, Productions are sort of, touring it around and um, it was, it's one of the few shows that actually was left standing that was in our season. So I'd put that in our season for this year. Um, Yeah. So look, that will be great. And I think, you know, people, people love hearing sort of music that they love. And I think at this time and getting people to step back out, it'll work quite well in a sort of uplifting way.
0: Yeah. Well, Peter Ross, you are a true gentleman of the theatre and it's been wonderful to have this conversation to just recall a, a, a very well, a varied and extraordinary career where you've dipped your toe in all sorts of waters and now you find yourself um, you know, your star has risen. you are a superstar, certainly in my eyes achieving what you have at the moment. and, and, and passionate practitioners like you uh, keep the arts alive in Australia. So thank you for all you're doing and out there at Tamworth and, um, and your many contributions and, uh, and thanks for the chat.
1: Thank you, Pete. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you.
0: Have you been back to the theatre yet? I see that many producers and companies are making a return in tentative stages. The arts are certainly a sector who have been hit hard by the global pandemic. Theatre by its nature is a communion of people and it makes it a very difficult task providing a space where that can happen. Good luck to all of those folk making a return to stages around the country and the world, for that matter. Theatre certainly nourishes the soul, and we all need some of that right now. Join me next time on Stages for episode 155. My guest will be Artistic Director of the Sydney Festival, Mr Wesley Enoch. Wes, of course, has contributed in a vast capacity to Australian stories prior to the festival as a director, playwright and passionate advocate for the arts. His work is also responsible for putting Indigenous stories on stages in a succession of great plays such as Stolen, The Seven Stages of Grieving, Black Diggers and The Sapphires. Thanks for joining us today. It's always a joy to have your company. I'm Peter Ayres and you've been listening to The Stages Podcast. Keep well, everyone. Keep warm, stay safe and I'll catch you next time.